you came to the 9 a.m. service, you may want to go to the 11 a.m. service at Waples Baptist today after hearing this man. Pastor Delvin Atchison, Dr. Atchison, originates from Hearn, Texas. He is a Texan. He began speaking publicly at the age of nine and preaching at 16 in his home church in Hearn, Progressive Missionary Baptist Church. He has pastored in Branchville, Texas, Cameron, Texas, Crockett, Texas, and most recently he was pastor of the 100-plus-year-old Antioch Missionary Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. Currently, he's the new director of the Great Commission Team for the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Pastor Atchison is a prolific speaker who's received many opportunities around the nation to proclaim the gospel through preaching and teaching. He's married to his beautiful wife, Brenda, who's here with us today, and they have four wonderful children. Can we show our appreciation as Dr. Atchison comes? I'm excited about being with you. Pastor Allen told me that uh, you didn't wear ties this morning or I wouldn't have rented this suit. Amen. I I would have left it. I'm I'm honored, as always, to have with me the, the, what I consider the greatest gift of grace in my life, with the exception of salvation. My wife, Dr. Brenda Atchison, is here. Stand here so they'll see you. I've been blessed just to be with you. Now, I need to tell you, I come from a preaching tradition that is antiphonal. It is call and response. Now, normally when I preach, people will just interrupt me right in the middle with outbursts of affirmation. They will just right in the middle of something say amen or praise the Lord or thank you, Jesus. Uh, so, so to help you so that I won't lose my way, I'm going to give you subtle hints throughout, throughout, throughout the sermon. I will just, you will kind of know because I will do subtle things like insert amen here, right? And you'll, You'll know and you can keep up with me. Let me thank you for being so gracious. Each of you has been so gracious to me. I've enjoyed the, the, the music this morning. It has been a blessing. A few scattered remarks, and then I will bid you good morning. I came across two verses that don't even appear as though they ought to be in the same testament. Looks like if you would find them in the same Bible, one would be in the new, one would be in the old, and certainly they wouldn't be in the same book of the Bible, and by no means would they be in the same chapter. I found them, and, and, and they are connected, these two passages of Scripture. They're, they're in the same book, and it just blows me away, and, and maybe you will be as uh, impressed as I was that these two Scriptures are found in the same book. In the book of Daniel, the third chapter, Daniel, the third chapter. Look with me. Daniel, the third chapter, verse 19. Daniel, the third chapter, verse 19 says, <clears throat> Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of his strongest guards to in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. That's, that's a tough place to be, isn't it? He, he's so upset 
that his face is distorted. He's so angry until he heats up a furnace and throws them in. Now look at verse 30. Verse 30 says, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Maybe I'm the only one. Verse 19, he is so upset. All right, down home, the, the kids say his face was tore up. He, he, I mean, he's so he's so upset until his face doesn't even look the same. And in verse 30, the same king promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How, how do you get from the problem in 19 to the promotion in verse 30. That's what I want to talk about. How to get from problem to promotion. Insert amen here. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you get? Let, let me suggest that God will use the difficult experiences in our lives for our good and for his glory. And I don't know who I'm talking to today who finds yourself in a verse 19. I stopped by today on my way to Waples and on my way to do what God has called me to do, I stop by today to tell you, don't let the devil talk you out. Don't let him make you give up or give out in verse 19 because there's a verse 30 in your future. Don't let him make you stop at your problem because God has a promotion with your name on it. How do you get from problem to promotion? I'm glad that you asked. Here in... Verse here in this third chapter, I, I like this third chapter because in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, about 606 B.C., he goes and Nebuchadnezzar steals the best and the brightest from Israel, brings them back to Babylon and trains them in his way. He takes these young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He changes their name, but they decide, even though you change my name, you can't change my nature. And I think I ought to just drop a word parenthetically that there's always somebody in the world who is changing what those of us who are followers of Christ are being called. They can change our name, but they have no control over our nature. These young men decide that we're going to stand for God. And when they decide to stand for God, we're told in chapter 3 that King Nebuchadnezzar builds an altar to himself and says when the music plays, everybody bows down. And we're told that there are certain Chaldeans who go back and give the report to the king. And they say to the king, king, we refuse to stoop when it's time to stand. King, we want you to know that if we go down, we're going to go down standing up. And we're brought to verse 17. And this text says for us about four or five little things about moving from problem to promotion. I'd like to share them with you. And then I'll take my seat. Would you like to hear them? I'm glad that you would. The first thing I want to suggest is that God will use the problems in our lives for our edification. And God used our problems for our edification. Now, listen, our problems are not just for our education because my education is what I learn. My edification is what I become. 
There is a difference between what I merely believe and how I behave. When the king gets ready, the king asks these young men, I'm going to give you another chance. And isn't that just like the devil? I mean, some of us, if you're honest, and since there's no praise team, you can just wink and it'll be our secret, that the devil will always give you another chance to do wrong. That if he'd stopped the first time, there's a lot of stuff we got into we wouldn't have. And so the king invites them back in and says, I understand that you can't do this in front of everyone, so I'm going to give you another chance. And they say to him in verse 17, King, we are not careful. We don't need another chance. We already know that we will not bow down to your God. And they say the God that we serve is able and he will. And I don't know. Shadrach must have nudged Abednego and said, you know, he might not. And they say they adjust their theology to say that even if he does not, he's still able. I need to suggest to somebody that we need to have a kind of a but if not faith that says God can do anything, but even if he doesn't, he's still able. That sometimes God's actions aren't an indication of his ability. Every time you got sick, God could heal you. Every time you got broke, God could supply your need. Every time you got in trouble, he could get you out. But he'd run the risk then of being your concierge rather than your king. And God needs people with the kind of faith that says, even if God does not supply what I think he ought to, he still can. And so they adjust their theology. But let me tell you how we know it changed their edification. It is because God brought them through something that destroyed someone else. I don't need everybody, but I need about I need about four and a half people, one one and a half from each of these aisles to help me to to help me to share today. Has God ever brought you through anything that if someone had told you two years earlier, you wouldn't have believed it? Has the Lord ever let you walk through an experience and you came out of it? Well, let me tell you about these young men. There are two things that we do when we get afraid. We will either become paralyzed with fear or we will run quickly. The Bible says that when the king saw them, they were walking in the midst of a fiery furnace. Can I tell you that we serve a God who can use his children and can bring them through some things, and when you look back, you won't even believe how you act. Let let, let me put some weight on that because you look like you've been looking for a place to shout. I'll give you one. God is so awesome until he can bring you through some stuff that would destroy someone else. These boys are tied up, and they are thrown in, but the fire is so hot until it burns the men that throw that threw them in. Do you know that you've come through a sickness that somebody else had and they died? You came through the breakup of a relationship that somebody else came through, and right now they're hooked on drugs. Somebody else came through the same heartache that you came through, and now they're living on the street talking to themselves. But God brought you out, and you are better after coming out than when you went in. I was sharing I was sharing the other day about Biosphere 2. I was sharing last Sunday with a group about Biosphere 2 right outside of Oracle, Arizona. And outside of Oracle, Arizona, there is a scientific experiment called Biosphere 2. From 1985 to 2007, at a cost of over $200 million, it was built. It is a man-made, encapsulated atmosphere designed after Earth's biosphere. It was created so that when we would do traveling to other planets, we would be able to survive. 
It has everything that earth has. It has biomes. It has coral reefs. It has rainforests. Whatever earth has, it has. And they discovered they had a problem with biosphere, too. The problem was that every time the trees would produce fruit, the limbs would break, and they could never go to maturity. They did experiments only to discover that the reason that the limbs could not survive is that they had not been exposed to winds and storms. And because they had not been exposed to the storm, they could never carry their fruit to maturity. Can I tell you, if God never lets you have a problem, you will never know that he can solve them. If you've never been broke, you don't know that God can supply your needs. If you've never been sick, you don't know that God is a healer. If you've never been in bondage, you really don't know that God is a deliverer. And God says, I used your problems so that you would be better by edification. But not only does God use our problems for our edification, God uses our problems for our emancipation. I was I was reading in your I was reading in your uh directory that that there's a concealed handgun class that some of you are going to be attending and in Texas you know we're open carry right well I think in the church we ought to be carry and open I want you to carry your bibles and open them when we study so 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 if your Bible is open since you've carried it, I want to show you something. That the only difference, there's only one difference between when the boys went in and when they came out. Look with me in verse 20. So these men, verse 21 says, verse 20 says, And some of the strongest guards to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 21 says, So these men were bound and thrown in. Verse 23 says, they fell down bound into the furning blazing fire. Verse 25 says, the king says, I see four men unbound. I see four men loose. Can I tell you that the only difference between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went in and when they came out is that they went in bound, but they came out loose. Let me tell you, sometimes God will put you in a problem. Because he has to make you turn some stuff loose. There's some things I think I have to have until I go through problems. Because it's amazing how much stuff you can forget when you're going through. I mean, when you're really going through, all that's on your mind is prayer, God, the Bible, and deliverance. Insert amen here. But there's some other things when God will send me through problems not to make me turn things loose, but to make some things turn me loose. I need you to know in the midst of your furnace that God has his eye on the thermometer and his hand on the thermostat. That God knows just how hot to let it get to burn off of you what he does not want on you. And who wouldn't serve a God that knows just how hot to let it get to burn the things that had me bound? In other words, God will take you through some problems because there's some stuff that can't survive the fire that you're in, and God will burn it off of you while you're going through. Paul Shera tells the story of going through India, and as he was traveling through old Calcutta, Shera says that as he's traveling, he sees a man who is refining gold in a primitive method. He said that this man is cooking gold, and as he is cooking this gold, Shara says he noticed ever so often that the man will look over into the pan. He says the man continues, and finally 
curiosity got the better of Dr. Paul Scherer, and Scherer says he, he queried the man, what are you doing? He says, I'm refining gold. He says, why do you keep looking in the pan? He said, when I can see my image in the gold, I'll know that all the bad stuff has been cooked out. Insert amen. Right. It, it, In other words, what he says is God knows how long to keep us in the fire. He knows how hot to let the fire get to burn everything. I think Job says it like this. Beloved, he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's what Pastor was talking about when he says we are being conformed unto him. So excited was John about that, that he says, Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be like. But this we know, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. God uses my problems for my emancipation. God uses my problems for my edification. God uses my problems for my emancipation. But God uses my problems for others' evangelization. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. There is no biblical record that the three Hebrew boys ever saw the fourth man. I believe they did. But the Bible says in verse 24 that the king rose. Here is something that has revolutionized the way I look at suffering. Sometimes. When you go through suffering, it has nothing to do with you. God will allow you to suffer to teach someone else a lesson. Sometimes when you go through suffering, you are not the student, but you are the subject. God will allow you to be sick so your spouse can know he's a healer. God will allow you to have financial difficulty so that the person in the cubicle next to yours will know that he can supply your needs. God will allow you to have an emotionally traumatic experience so that your children will know that in the midst of a storm, he can keep you in perfect peace. I'm blown away when I think that sometimes I want to ask God, God, I'm praying. God, I'm paying my tithes. God, I'm coming to church. God, I'm living. I'm loving. I'm doing what you want me to be. And you allowed me to be sick. What did I do to you? Why are you mad at me? And God says, this isn't about you. You're not the student. You're the subject. That the reason you are going through now is you told me you wanted me to use you. And I've got somebody who I need to see that I can keep them in the midst of life's most difficult experiences. This isn't about you. It's about somebody else. Have you ever just wondered what you did to make God mad? And you wanted to ask God, God, now, surely you must have made a mistake. This problem wasn't supposed to be for me and God says because I'm sovereign and you asked me to use you for my glory right now my glory needs you to be sick so that when your neighbor comes and sees you sick and they can hear you bragging about I am the God who heals you are not the student this time you are the subject sometime God says I'm not teaching you but I'm teaching you to somebody else Am I the only one who's ever wanted to ask God, God, why? 
God, why me? And God said, it's not about you. You're not the subject. You're not the student. You are the subject. Our, our country went through an issue over its original sin, the sin of slavery. One of the reasons why I was so excited to be invited was to come and celebrate how we celebrate what we are in the body of Christ, our oneness. One of the great tragedies of our history was the American Civil War. 620,000 of our best and brightest, 620,000 souls perished over the issue of slavery. Not until the Vietnam War would numbers again reach that high. 620,000. And after 620,000 people, the bars and stripes, the Confederate flag was still raising. People said that over my dead body, it would come down. Leaders swore it would never come down. Last year in June, in Charleston, South Carolina, at Mother Emanuel Church, some people were praying, and a gunman came in, killed nine of them. And people were wondering, how could God let that happen? And people who swore that the Confederate flag would never come down lined up to sign bills that says, our country is now no longer a country that celebrates the racism of our past, but we embrace the love of our future. Sometimes it's not about you learning anything. It's about you being used as the lesson to teach someone else. The Bible says that God will use our problems for our emancipation. God will use our problems for our evangelization. God will use our problems for, I mean, for others' evangelization. God will use our problems for our own edification. But, y'all, I get excited that God will use our problems for his own exaltation. God said, I will never let you go through it without me getting some glory. I'm not making it up. We're still carrying it because it's open right here. King Nebuchadnezzar who had said to the boys, let's see what your God is going to do. The king said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And y'all, let me tell you something about God, and you can shout. It won't even frighten me. You can just start shouting. There are times when God will bless you in spite of your enemies. But there are some other times God will bless you in the sight of your enemies. So that even your enemies have to know that you have some kind of God. Let me tell you something about God, and if you just if you just jump up and shout, it won't scare me. I promise you. Listen, you've got to understand that whenever God allows you to go through, that he works it out for your emancipation. But God himself is giving your, he's giving your enemy a theological education so that God can build on his own reputation. See, when you go through... Insert shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you go through, God's going to let your enemy know. You act like you don't believe me. Ask the children of Israel. When they got to Joshua, 
in the second chapter, when they got to Rahab, Rahab said, we, we've already heard about what your God did at the Red Sea, and we're not going to bother you. You're wondering why God is taking you through. God said, the reason I'm letting you handle this enemy is because I'm keeping you from some other enemies, and I need your enemy to know the kind of God you have. There are some times when God will take you through when because, let, let, let me find one of those nice seminary words. We are anthropomorphically victims. We are inherently victims of anthropomorphic arrogance. If God came through too early, there sometimes God will do stuff and we will brag about how good our insurance is. I, I went to the doctor. I was able, and I'm, this is before Obamacare, I had good insurance. We'll brag. Oh, we will brag. I needed, you know, I needed $20,000, and I've known Mark down at the bank for 40 years, and I said, hey, Mark, he let me have it on a signature. But there are some other times when our back is up against the wall, when we call Mark and Mark doesn't return the call, when we go to the doctor and he says there's nothing else we can do, when we put our children into every treatment plan that we can and it still doesn't work, and just when we are ready to give up, God will step in on time, and we will have to say it wasn't because I had good insurance. It wasn't because of my connection. We have to say nobody but the Lord because it isn't about me. It is all about the king says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If anyone says anything about them, he says they're going to be destroyed. Do you know what's exciting when God brings you out? It's not that you can celebrate the victory. It's that you can celebrate the fact that you have an awesome God. And I need to tell you, I was sharing with some people the other night. I, I had a friend who broke his wrist. And when my friend broke his wrist, we lived in Hearn, Texas, a small town. My friend, they took my friend to the, they took him to the general practitioner and he was a, afraid of he said i've only seen that twice he cautiously wrapped up my friend's wrist and sent him to waco to the specialist the specialist walked into the room pulled his wrist jammed it in wrapped it up and said come see me in six months what was major for a general practitioner was routine for the specialist can I tell you that we have a God who is a specialist in difficult problems and stuff that makes other people tear their hair out, God routinely handles it. Do you think cancer is major for God? No, he routinely heals people. Do you think you're not having enough money because you've got more month than you've got money? No, God routinely handles it. Do you think depression is major for God? No, God routinely handles it. I don't know, but I wish I had about five people in here who would testify that we have a God who brings us out of situations that only he can get glory for. You've been kind. Let me give you a final word, and I'll bid you good morning. God will use my problems for my edification. God will use my problems for my emancipation. God will use my problems for others' evangelization. God will use my problems for his own exaltation. But my problems will always end in my elevation. It's, 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 it's right in the text. Let me tell you what God will do. God will take the people who try to hurt you the most and use them as stepping stones to get to where he's trying to get you to go. God will take and the people who mess with you, God will make them bless you, and they won't even know why.
And I need to tell you that the reality of whatever you are going through is that it is not over until God has the last word. I'm, 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 I'm on my way to my seat, but I need to tell you God will have the last word. If you don't believe me, check the biblical Rick, for the Bible is peppered with the story of God having the last word. But the last word is not about how sad or sorry Abraham and Sarah were. The last word is not that Abraham raises his hand to kill his son. The last word is Abraham, look, there's a ram caught in the bushes, and God has sacrificed, and God has made the seed of Abraham more than the stars of the earth. The last word. It's not that the children of Israel are trapped at the Red Sea and on either side Pharaoh uh, is closing in behind on either side of mountains. The last word is not that the children of Israel don't have an inner tube. They don't have a canoe to get across. But the last word is that they walked on dry ground through the midst of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was drowned at the Red Sea. God will have the last word. The last word is not that Daniel is trapped in a lion's den, but the last word is that though Daniel cannot fight, the lions cannot bite. And when God brings Daniel out, the king says, blessed be the God of Daniel. God will have the last word. The last word is not that uh, Haman built gallows to hang the Jews, but the, the last word is that they hang Haman on the gallows that they he built for the Jews, and they gave Mordecai Haman's job. God will have the last word. The last word is not that Paul and Silas are trapped down in a Philippian jail, but the last word is that at midnight when Paul and Silas were singing, they had a new jailhouse rock, and even the guard came to know Jesus and his house. God will have the last word. The last word is not that they condemned our Savior to die. The last word is not that they led our Jesus from judgment hall to judgment hall. The last word is not that they put nails in his hands. The last word is not that a crown of thorns is placed upon his head. The last word is not that they beat him all night long. The last word is not that he marches to Golgotha. The last word is not that they spiked his feet. The last word is not that they hung him high or dropped him low or even that they hung him wide. The last word is not that the veil of the temple was rent. The last word is not that the centurion cried, surely this must be the son of God. The last word is not that Joseph and Nicodemus put him in a borrowed tomb. And to be honest, the last word is not even that on Sunday morning they went, the tomb was rolled away and he was not there. But the last word is given to us by Paul in that second chapter of Philippians when he says, And God has given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The good news is that whatever my problem is, God will take me from my problem to a promotion.